Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. friends. Um, so today our scripture reading comes from Hosea 3, 1 through 4, and then Hosea 14, 8 and 9. So in verse 3, it says, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the, love, the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. And then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. This shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or a prince and will sa- without sacrifices, sacred pillars and priests, or even idols. But afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and his goodness. Now we'll skip over to Hosea 14, 8 and 9. It says, O Israel, stay away from idols. I am the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I am like a tree that is always green. All your fruit comes from me. Let those who are wise understand these things. Let those with discernment listen carefully. The paths of the Lord are true and right. And righteous people live by walking in them. But in those paths, sinners stumble and fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, Thank you that you're here. I pray that uh, you would wake us up to your presence in this room, in this place. Um. And I pray that you would give us the courage to look inside ourselves for things that you might want to restore in us or refine in us or expose in us or um, show mercy over in us. Pray that you would uh, be near to us in these moments in a way that brings courage, uh, courage to dream and imagine something bigger than ourselves. Uh, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I've been really excited to talk about this story today uh, for a while. I was actually going to talk about it earlier in our series, but then I remembered that tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so I thought I would do a little love story uh, today in honor of a holiday where I found this out yesterday. We spend $24 billion on Valentine's Day. $24 billion. Um, but before I jump into the sermon, I do want to say something about Valentine's Day. I watched a favorite writer of mine, her name Shauna Nequist, and she spoke at a chapel, uh, and I saw this on YouTube years ago, and she said something that stuck with me um, ever since, and it feels important for today or especially for tomorrow. Um, and it's this. Uh, if you are here and you are married or you are single or you are dating or engaged or going through a divorce or widow or whatever uh, your romantic relationship status is, You are significant without a significant other. 
You are significant without a significant other. And $24 billion and Hallmark and all of the chocolates are trying to tell you otherwise. But you, I'm your pastor, and you are significant without a significant other, okay? Um, that was for free. That wasn't even a sermon. That was just a bonus. Um, okay, uh, now let's jump into this very romantic story of the man who God tells to marry a prostitute. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> That's what happens. Um, before we do that, I want to remind you what we're talking about over the last uh, few days, uh, or last few weeks, and what we will continue talking about for the next few weeks. Um, our hope has been to open up the stories of the kingdom of God in a way that is more than just uh, teaching us about heaven or teaching us about what happens when we die, uh, but to talk about the stories of the kingdom, to talk about the kingdom of God, uh, how it is deeply and richly full of invitations for how to live now. How to live our actual lives now. Uh, and this may not seem like a likely place uh, to go, this story in Hosea, or in Hosea about how to live a kingdom life. But I think there's a lot here that the Spirit has uh, for us to wake us up to the kingdom of God, to the rule and reign of God here on the earth. Um, so let's jump in. Uh, our text today it came that Jamie read came from Hosea chapter 3, the first part. And I just want to offer you some context because we kind of jumped in um, a couple of chapters in. Um, Hosea is a prophet for the people of Israel. And an Old Testament uh, prophet, so an Old Testament story, stories that happened before the birth of Jesus, a prophet was someone that God used to communicate his message to the world. So essentially, Hosea is a, a preacher or a proclaimer of God's messages and warnings and instructions and uh, things like that. And Hosea uh, was a respected prophet with a really long ministry. Uh, he preached and proclaimed God's message for something like, I don't know, like 50 or 60 years. Uh, Hosea saw Israel through uh, four different kings. Uh, and he started his ministry with a particularly evil king named Jeroboam II that we don't have time to get into, but is, is worth a research. Um, in the first chapter of his book in the Bible, God comes to Hosea, who is at the very beginning of his ministry, and he says an unexpected thing to him. He says, when the Lord uh, first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will eliminate, or, or this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping idols. So Hosea married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. So God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute, and he does. And her name is Gomer. Pause. And I always think of Gomer Pyle from Andy Griffith. I can't help it. Young people, that's a black and white show on TV. Um, so Hosea, he marries Gomer, a prostitute, and they have three children. And you thought Gomer's name was bad. Uh, theirs are worse. Uh, his first son is named Jezreel, which actually in Hebrew is a really beautiful word that means God sows. Uh, but no one at the time uh, would have thought that. To Israel, the name Jezreel uh, would have, have invoked a place of war, a place of division, a place of destruction or disorder. It would sort of be like uh, naming a kid today Kabul. Kabul means acceptance in Arabic, uh, but naming a child Kabul or Hiroshima or something like that, that's the weight this, this little boy's name had on him, the weight of mass destruction. 
And then they have a daughter, and her name is Lo Ruhama. Uh, Ruhama is, is another beautiful word in Hebrew that refers to the tender place of mercy and love in God. It literally uh, means like womb. It is the womb of God, the warm, safe place of the mercy and love of God. Uh, but the word lo at the beginning of her name uh, means no. So her name literally meant not loved, no mercy or no tenderness. That's her name. And then uh, Jose and Gomer, they have one more son, and his name is Lo-Ami. Ami, another great word, super inclusive word in Hebrew. Uh, it means my people or essentially mine. And again, he has Lo, means no. And so his name literally means not, uh, or not my people or not mine. Actually, sorry, the literal Hebrew is you are not my people and I will not be for you. So, you know, I know we have a couple of pregnant women in the room. I don't, if you're looking for names, look again. <laughs> look elsewhere. So Hosea takes Gomer as his wife, and they have three children with three very interesting names. And then the story keeps turning, and it keeps going, and, and it takes another turn. Uh, and that's where our text today picks up. Hosea, um, or Gomer has left Hosea once again to return to her life of, of prostitution. And then our text picks up with God giving Hosea another very interesting assignment. Uh, verse 3 that Jamie read, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, meaning you've done this before. Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. God tells Hosea to go find his wife and to love her. And so Hosea, he goes to the place where he knew his wife would be, and he buys her back with silver and with barley and with wine, and he brings her back to his home. And then for the next 11 chapters uh, of this book, um, they are poems that explore two themes uh, from Hosea to the people of Israel. Uh, there are two themes. One is accusations and warnings for Israel as they wander away from God. And the second one is a theme of God's mercy and restoration that will go again, as, Isaiah, as Hosea did, go again and again and again to find them. And that will go again to find them and to bring them back and bring them into shelter and into that womb, into that safe place again and again and again. Kind of like what Jamie read at that last section in chapter 14. Hosea's life, uh, it mirrors his poems. His poems, they are an honest look at the heart of humans and they offer a transformational knowledge about the loving kindness of God. In Hosea's story, there is uh, this point of restoration that we read today where his wife comes back to his home, uh, but then there's also a point where his children get new names. They, they set aside their old names. Instead of war and not mine and not loved, they start to go by God plants and loved and mine, new names. Hosea's life, his life's work is to proclaim the loving kindness of God that dares to go again to bring back his wayward people to speak love and purpose, new names over them. And then he lives out his actual life, which is also a story of loving kindness that dares to go again to love his wife and to speak new purpose to her and to his children by renaming them. And as I read this story this week in preparation for today, I started to think that maybe God's invitation to Hosea uh, to live out a bigger and wider story of God uh, was a kingdom invitation for us today as well. 
Uh, it might seem weird that I picked this story for a series on kingdom parables. That's what we're calling this. Uh, parables in the Bible are normally used to describe stories that Jesus uh, made up in order to try to explain something about himself or his kingdom or grace or judgment or things like that. Uh, and, and when this story takes place, Jesus is thousands of years from even being born. But really, by definition, parables are stories used to illustrate something bigger than themselves, to illustrate a moral lesson or a spiritual lesson. And if you uh, go to the root word of parable, it, it comes from a Greek uh, root of para, meaning next to, and bala, which means to throw. And so literally what parable means is to uh, cast beside something else. A parable, by definition, is a story that goes alongside something. A story that goes alongside illustrating something beyond, that points to something beyond, something wider. And so I think you could argue that almost, and Chad and I have all week long, that, uh, that almost any story in the Bible is a parable because they all exist to uh, point to something bigger and wider than themselves. But especially this one, or maybe this one is just a really tender one for me. Hosea's story it exists not just to give us account, an account of an 8th century B.C. marriage, but to stand as a demonstration or an illustration uh, 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 for us of what it means to be in relationship with God. Uh, a God that we continually walk away from and a God whose love for us is wild and illogical and costly. Uh, uh, there's a pastor I love. I, I quote him a lot. I quote him last week. I stole a bunch of stuff from him last week. His name is Adam Russell. I call him a Monday morning pastor. He pastors a vineyard church in, in Kentucky. And uh, when he talks about this story, he says that uh, Hosea is called by God into performance art. I like that way of thinking it. I think that's a really interesting way to see what Hosea is doing in the story. Uh, because art works in many of the same ways that prophets do. Art shows us what is going on and it shows us where things are going, right? In all of this, Hosea and Gomer's love story or lack of love story, their children, all of this is not only their actual lives happening, it is that, but it's also this prophetic picture uh, for the nation of Israel. It sits beside, this prophetic picture sits beside their actual lives. This prophetic picture of the God who, uh, is of who God is, a prophetic picture of who Israel is, of what God is doing and what God will do in them and through them. Their lives, Hosea and Gomer, they become parable. They become a story to go alongside, a story used to illustrate. It's performance art. It's biblical performance art. God says to Hosea, don't just preach the message I give you. Live the message I give you. Be the message I give you. And it is no small assignment for him. And I think there's invitation for us here uh, today, a kingdom invitation to live life in a similar way way to live life as parable or to live life as performance art. Or maybe a better way to say it is I think there is a very kingdom invitation here to see and to live our lives as a story, part of a story that is bigger and wider than whatever is right in front of our faces. Uh, what God asks of Hosea, what he did through his life is something happening in all of us today. I'm not saying that we are all being invited uh, to marry a prostitute and to name our kids truly horrific things. I'm saying uh, that I believe that life in the kingdom means that our lives point outside of us. 
to who God is and to what he is up to in the world. I believe that every single human being was made in the image of God. Therefore, every single person has within them a divine ability to show us something about the nature and the character of God. Everyone. That is true for me, and that is true for you, and that is true for every single person that we come in contact with. And I think part of living intentionally as a kingdom person means learning to see our lives essentially as performance art, as, as uh, life as part of telling a big, wide story. Now, I want to be really clear about something. Um, I almost didn't use the term performance art uh, because I was afraid it would have uh, weird context. When I say performance art, I don't mean we should all learn to live a fake life in the name of Jesus. Okay? Uh, It's not an Instagram-filtered life in the name of Jesus. I love an Instagram filter. It gets rid of my age spot that sits right here. That's not what, that's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying an Instagram-filtered life in the name of Jesus. When I'm, I actually think that hurts people. Right? Uh, how many of you, this is a rhetorical question, don't raise your hand. How many of you have been hurt by someone who has Instagram filtered their life in order to make it seem like following Jesus was really easy? Right? They're the first people to say hashtag blessed uh, when the whole world is blowing up. You know, or, or to say God won't give you more uh, than you can handle, which is a terrible misquote of a verse. It, 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 it is hurtful. Fake lives in the name of Jesus are hurtful. That is not what I'm talking about at all. How many of you know that good performance art costs something? It costs something. If it is good, then it is raw and it is vulnerable and it is honest. I always say I can't listen to music unless there's some angst in it. i got to feel something. It's raw and vulnerable and honest. It points to something bigger and greater and wider uh, than itself. If you don't know what I'm uh, talking about, our own Tracy, who is leading worship, is directing a play at the Clarence Brown Theater the first and second week of March. This is a free ad for her. Um, Go see it. If you want to know what performance art looks like as raw and vulnerable and honest, uh, I promise it will happen uh, there. Performance art, for it to be good, it requires a realness and a depth and an honesty and a vulnerability, that's what I'm talking about here. I think we all have a kingdom invitation to get curious about our own stories as an invitation to see our lives as parable, not as filtered or fake, but as if they take part of something bigger and something greater and something wider than what we see right in front of our uh, faces, a life that acknowledges that there's a bigger story going on. A life that says all of the highs and all of the lows and all of the successes and celebrations and and laughter as well as the broken hearts and broken dreams and messes and wondering and anger and tears as we follow Jesus. uh, Our lives lived in the world, the whole of them point to something bigger, not just the good things. The whole of them, not just the good stuff, all the stuff. Uh, I want to talk, uh, quote Adam Russell again. Uh, when he was talking about this passage of Hosea living as performance art commissioned by God, uh, he talked about something I'd never really thought of in this story. Uh, that even go- though God told Hosea to do this, uh, there's still a good chance that not a lot of people understood what was going on. Like, we read the story of Hosea from a super wide angle that thousands and thousands of years give us, Right? We read it way back here, but Hosea was living it right up here. 
and, and, and the whole story of his life, it would, it would exist for the wide view. It would exist for the people of Israel and for the people of Jesus for all of time to understand the relentless pursuit of God for his people. But it was a story that was lived up close and personal. And in that moment, probably not a lot of people knew Gomer or the three horribly named kids as anything beyond gossip. You know, as anything beyond the prophet who married the wrong lady and named his kids some, like, uh, names. And while I considered this, uh, I, I was listening to Adam Russell talk about this, and he said something that took my breath away. He said, um, just because we're not seeing something and just because we're not hearing something doesn't mean God isn't doing something, and it doesn't mean God isn't saying something. I'm going to say that again. Just because we aren't seeing something or hearing something does not mean that God is not doing something or saying something. Uh, one of the things that, that learning to see our lives as parable, as part of a greater story offers us, I think, is, is a greater trust that just because we cannot see or hear what God is doing right up close does not mean that he is not active or that he is not speaking. Because in the kingdom of God, things are always, always always happening, always. There is a big part of hearing and understanding the kingdom that simply has to do with learning how to pay attention, a simple curiosity about the things uh, and words and ways of God, and having an imagination for uh, faith, for faith that God is up to something. And when we start to retrain our eyes to see things uh, from a stepped out view, from a wider view, a wider perspective, a wider story, what grows in us, I think, is a holy curiosity. This holy curiosity to pay attention to the active work of the Spirit everywhere and a greater imagination and faith for what God might be up to or inviting us to. Um, here's an example. There's a story... Uh, that my dad loves to tell, uh, uh, that I love to, about a, a writer and a preacher named Tony Campolo. It also is a story about a prostitute. This is our theme for today. Um, it goes like this. Uh, Tony Campolo, uh, he speaks all over the world. He flies to a conference in Hawaii to speak at a conference. And when he gets there, he checks into his room, he goes to bed, and then he wakes up because of the time difference. He wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning wide awake. Anyone else? Okay, wide awake. And then he just sort of starts to walk around the city, and he's looking for a place that's open where he can, like, get something to eat or something. And he happens upon this grungy place, like a diner's, drive-ins, and dives kind of place. Um, and, and he happens upon this place, and, and he sits in this restaurant, and he's eating a donut, and he's drinking some coffee uh, when he says eight or nine scantily clad prostitutes who have just finished their work uh, come in, and they're talking really, really loudly. And he overhears them talking, and, and, and one of the women says, you know what, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. And her friend's response is so crabby that it catches Tony Campolo's attention. He says her friend looks at her and says, so, what do you want from me? Do you want me to get you a cake and sing happy birthday to you? Like kind of sassy, like, okay. And then the first woman says, uh, you don't have to be so mean. Uh, I just was saying it's my birthday. I don't want anything from you. Uh, why should I want a party? I've never had a birthday party in my entire life. Why would I think I was going to have one now? And then he says the women talk and they leave. And when they left, Tony Campolo goes to the man who's working at the restaurant. Uh, and he, he asks, he says, do these women come in every single night? And the man says, yes. And, and Tony Campolo checks. He says, the woman who is sitting closest to me, does she come in every single night? 
And the man says, yes, that's Agnes. Why are, why are you asking? Uh, to which Tony Campolo explained that he overheard that it was her birthday tomorrow, and he wondered if maybe the two of them could throw her a little birthday party at the restaurant. And so they start making plans. The guy gets really excited, and, and Tony says, I'll be back tomorrow night, and I'll bring some decorations. And the guy says he'll make a cake, and he'll have it ready. And so the next day comes, and, and I guess he sets an alarm for 2.30 in the morning, and, um, and, and they decorate the restaurant with crepe paper, and they make a sign out of cardboard that says, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And, and uh, somehow the guy at the restaurant had gotten word out, and <laughs> Tony Campolo says at 3.15, what looked like every prostitute in Honolulu came to the restaurant, which is the perfect place for a preacher preaching out of a conference, Right. And then he says, at 3.30 in the morning, on the dot, the door swings open and Agnes and her friend from the night before walk into a room full of women and Tony shouting, happy birthday, Agnes. And then as the guy at the restaurant carries out a birthday cake with candles lit, he says, Agnes starts sobbing and she's crying and she doesn't know what to do. And they say, cut the cake. That's what you do next, cut the cake. And she said, do I have to? Can I just take it home and stare at it for a few days to see if it's real? And so that's what she does. She leaves. She says, I live just around the corner. I'll be right back. I promise. And, and so he says that he watched Agnes carry out her cake as if it was the holy grail. And then he said when she walked out, he didn't know what to do. So he stood on a chair and he said, I want to pray for Agnes. And he and all the prostitutes, they pray. And he said, I pray that her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. Uh, when he finished, uh, the guy who owned the restaurant came up to him and he said, you never told me you were a preacher. Uh, what kind of church do you belong to? And Tony Campolo said, the kind that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And the guy said, that kind of church doesn't exist. If it did, I'd go. Part of learning to live life within the wider story of the kingdom of God for Tony Campolo gave him a curiosity about the parable and the story of a girl named Agnes. It filled him with a faith for what God might be up to in her and in her friends and in a man who worked at a dive bar. With a little imagination and a little bit of faith, Tony Campolo threw a birthday party that filled their world with more of heaven. That's how we've talked about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God in the world? It is filling the world with more of heaven, the rule and reign of God, more of heaven in our world. Tony Campolo brought some overlap of heaven into the world of prostitutes in Honolulu. I think when we see ourselves as part of a greater story, as participants in the story of God and the power of the kingdom, it offers us something similar, a curiosity, a fresh faith that God is always up to something and that he could be working anytime, anywhere, in anyone, even us. And the loving kindness of God that comes after us again and again and again and again transforms us and grows our imagination in ways that we might fill the world with birthday cakes or better, the shalom of heaven. I want to pause here. Um, I want to take a minute. Uh, we call it Selah. It's just a, it's a breath. Um, but, but what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes and make room for that curiosity in us and make room for that faith uh, in us. Um, I have a couple of questions for you. You can think about whatever you want during this time. Um, you can take a little nap. I don't care. Uh, but uh, 
I just felt like the Holy Spirit gave me these questions literally at 2 o'clock in the morning. I texted Johnny and said, will you make a slide? He appreciated that. With, uh, with these questions in it, and it just feel like maybe they're from the Spirit for us. So you can consider all of them, or maybe just pick the one that kind of lights your heart. Or here's how you know it's for you. If, it, if, if you wish I hadn't asked it, then maybe it's for you. So uh, here's the first question. If you take a few steps back, uh, what kind of story does your whole life this far tell? What kind of story does it tell? We, we've talked about Hosea's life as parable, but, but Gomer has a story here too. Her life is also performance art, and her story lines up far closer to mine than Hosea's. She is the wanderer that must be gathered again and again and again. And like Gomer, I found myself a scoop. If I take a wide look, I found myself scooped up by God again and again and again. What kind of story does your life tell when you take a few steps back from whatever is owning you right now and see a wider angle? Camo, I forgot to tell you to throw it up there. Did you get it? Okay. Number two. Next question. You can throw it up, Camo. This is actually skip this one. Just kidding. Where are you performing in your life where God has asked you to be vulnerable or honest or sincere? Where are you Instagram filtering your life where what God has asked for is honest and raw? Number three. I like this one. Uh, Where is God giving you fresh imagination for how to bring more of heaven to earth? Where is God inviting you and your life to throw a birthday party, so to speak? Uh, Let's pray, and we'll just sit in these. I want to bless these three questions, and we'll just sit in them and allow the Holy Spirit to do some work in us. Father, we believe that you are present in the room, that your Spirit is present in the room. Um, And I'm going to ask for what I asked for at the beginning. Will you wake us up to it a little bit more right now? And I pray that as we um, sit in quiet, Will you uh, give us the courage to look at these questions? Um, For some of us, will you allow us uh, to step back and see our life as wider than whatever is owning us right now? I think what happens is a lot of times we are living a story that feels like the entire story. And you're just asking us to take like two or three steps back so that we can see that your story is wider, that your rescue is wider, that you will scoop us up because you have a gift again and again and again. So we offer us a wider view, the story you see, not necessarily the story we see. Um, I pray that you would give us the courage to see places where you have asked for honest and vulnerable and what we have offered is a filtered version of truth. I pray that, um, I pray for courage there for those of us who are um, irked by this question. I, I pray for courage to see. Uh, poet Rilke talks about how where we're folded, we're a lie. Will you show us places where we're folded that you have been waiting to unfold us? And then finally, God, will you give us, and I pray this for all of us, will you give us fresh imagination uh, for what you are doing in the world and what you might be doing in us and how we might get to partner with you? 
what you might be doing, where are uh, birthday parties for prostitutes that we might be able to throw, what's the equivalent in our life, the equivalent in our families, our neighborhoods, our where we work, where we coffee, where we do whatever we do, where, where are you trying to offer us imagination uh, for a bigger view of our story and a bigger view of the story of others. In your name we pray, amen.